and get ready to get fired up for an awesome fucking episode of the um with rj show as always it's hosted by myself alec rovitz and rj Thalcioni. dude what's up man i'm just living my best life chilling feeling blessed feeling like i'm, I'm not a fucking weenie life is good today how about you? What's going on? Nothing much. Literally same shit, different day. But I am very excited for this podcast because from what you've told me, quite a story behind this chick and uh, definitely a story be- between you two and how you guys both met. And I'm just excited to, to hear everything she has to say. Yeah, the uh, the guest today is definitely a, a good friend and somebody that I'm excited to see the progression that uh, the last year has really given or, or brought about that she's brought about the last year with COVID as a musician surviving through the madness she's again really been able to progress and and pivot in certain ways but also extend into other revenue streams so really this episode is is definitely going to be a fun one but it's also uh, a great episode for entrepreneurs and operators as well as obviously the consumers out there but anybody who likes music should be stoked on this episode obviously but entrepreneurs pay close attention to some of the parallels between the musician's life and, and your life as cannabis or hemp people or, or technology or whatever it is that you're focused on. Cause there's definitely some that are more obvious than others, but the, the whole episode is filled with some really good teaching moments, if you will. Yeah, dude, you listening to any new artists, any cool music lately? Uh, that is not the Rolling Stones when you're working out. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of Run the Jewels lately, and it's not like a new artist by any means. Killer Mike, shout out, obviously. I think they put something out new somewhat recently. And I feel like it's an underrated sort of overlooked band or hip hop duo or whatever they want to call themselves. I feel like you and I have very opposite but similar music tastes. I'm more of a Cage the Elephant type of vibe. Okay. What does Cage the Elephant sound like? I can't remember their vibe. It's like alternative kind of if RJ was going to drop acid and really just vibe out and find a mantra. That's what it would be. Interesting. Interesting. So would you say that it's fair to say you like big music or like soundscapey music? Uh, contrarian music against the grain. Definitely. You would not peg me as a type, but sometimes something a little emo, something a little out there. Definitely. So do you listen to, I'm a big guy, like white stripes. I don't know who else. All right. So did you, ever like, did you ever listen to like band of horses? No. I don't know. Let me look that up. Maybe. Case yeah. the Elephant, I feel like, is similar, but not as aggressive. More emo than... And that's why I said, like, dreamy or soundscapey. Our guest, Karina Reichman, has that vibe. That's more, But it's more funk or electronic-driven. More dancey, in my opinion, but still floaty and spacey, whatever you want to call it. I'm upset at myself that I did not check out our music before we hopped on, but I do know that as soon as we get off, that is my first thing I'm going to be doing. So uh, There you go. There you go. Yeah. I think this is probably an excellent time to cut it. But before we do, obviously, shout out to all our wonderful sponsors, Outspoke.io, the one and only business intelligence platform that literally allows you to make more money. Simple as that. Enough said. (laughs) RJ gets phone calls in the middle of our podcast recording sessions. To make more money. Exactly. Shout out our other friends up in Oregon, Botanical Solutions, the OutCrowd Group consulting firm. Those guys really got it going on. You could hit them up for any of your needs, process optimization and whatnot. They, They could probably do it all. And yeah, too many to name, but thank you again, all our sponsors, because we would not be here without you guys. All the friends, that's for sure. That is for sure. Friends of the pod, gotta love them. All righty, without further ado, the podcast welcomes Karina Reichman. 
How are you? Oh, what is going on, fellas? This is great. Great to be here. Everything's good. A failed coup in a pandemic, but it's all good. It's yeah, all good. That's, that's all you can say. I'm excited to see this day come to fruition. You and me both. It's a delight, a true delight. Thank you for having me. And it's it's always great to shoot the shit with you, RJ. And Alec, yeah. come on. I hardly know you, but I feel like we're going to be fast friends, pal. Awesome folks from the city. You're about the same height and size, so you guys could swap clothes or sneakers probably or whatever. Um, dude yeah. Peace. yeah it's good I can already i can already feel the vibes it's gonna be great so for the folks at home that have been living under a rock karina give us like the 60 second on who karina reichman is and why people should give a fuck about your episode they don't have to give a fuck about it but let me tell you how's it going i am a bass player most known for playing with uh, a gentleman named marco benevento and i started playing with him in april 2016 taking over the role of bass in his band from a gentleman named Dave Drywitz, who you may know from a band called Ween, and then a band called J-Rad. And he put me up to the task of filling in for him with Marco when this band Ween came back. And I've been happily touring the country and UK and Japan and whatnot with Marco for the last four years, which is crazy. And I've also since, you know, started writing and releasing my own music under my own name. Karina Reichman. So that's the basic elevator pitch. I host the weekly Relics podcast, which we call Three from the Seven, three news stories from the past seven days. And I've recorded 83 episodes of that. And I'm just a good times gal. I love talking with people like you guys. I love eating shellfish. I love, you know, I'm a I'm five, six. That's the vibe. That's the vibe. Well, we'll have to fill out your Bumble profile later, Karina, but those are all relevant pieces of information for the listeners at home to know. So one question I have for you off jump is, has it been a major difference for you in the last year versus the, the years before that? You mentioned how many shows did you play in like 19 versus 20? Like give us, give us some insight on what COVID life has been for you. Yeah, no, I played over 165 shows in 2019. And I played up until March, I played quite a bit in 2020. But then yeah, no, it's it has been a drastic change. Because after March, I'll fill you in, I played a bunch of private backyard gigs last summer, which I was super grateful for just from fans reaching out to me, but I haven't had like an actual show on the books since either 8th or 9th of 2020. So that's been extremely different. It's been uh, to say completely life altering is true because I have never been this uh, stationary before. I haven't been on a plane since March 8th, 2020. I used to be on so many planes every month. Shout out Delta, Gold Medallion, and that's good. But no, it's been very different and just trying to adjust. uh, And, you know, obviously, like things are definitely different, but I'm also very grateful for my health, the health of my family, friends. Things haven't been tragic per se. To me, in my immediate circle, the whole situation is tragic, I would say, for sure. But personally speaking, I'm fine. I'm going day by day. I got got a studio in Williamsburg, which I've been working and recording music in. And actually, just next week, we're doing some big renovations and putting in a crazy LED hexagon furry wall with a lot of words that don't make sense together. But let me tell you, it's going to be just great. And um, 
that's been a good place to uh, kind of get my wiggles out or whatever. I've been playing a lot of drums, playing a lot of bass, obviously, and guitar and just writing as much as I can and trying cool. to be productive in this, in the time off, shall we say. That wall sounds amazing. A rock and roll wall. That's yeah, a great it's it's going to be ridiculous. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Like, we started doing this podcast because of our inability to do in-person events. I was actually looking at spaces like Garcia's at the Capitol to do and I'm with RJ conference wow. where it's going to be two days of my handpicked folks coming in and speaking about topics that actually mattered rather than sales pitches for the cannabis and hemp industries. 99% of these events are, they're just all sales pitches. They're not real content. They're not real people talking about real things like we're doing here. You know, that was going to be interwoven with this pitch day concept that we're rocking right now. And we were going to do music in between and afterwards to really give it some cohesion and some soul and not just have it be all this like really stuffy again like salesy suitsy bullshit because obviously we're not about that at all we're about getting to the realness and that's why you're here with us today it's definitely been crazy i feel like for all creators but you also you paint and draw like you're not just focused on music has that been something that you've done a lot of in covid as well Certainly. And I I can't, you know, stress enough. Like it's I've been extremely supported by my fans during this crazy time and I've sold a ton of art. And I would never say that I should teach anybody anything, but people have been taking bass lessons from me and doing these like hang sessions, which is always some strangers like, Hey, yeah, I'll zoom with you for a half an hour. I'm like, Whoa, okay, cool. You okay, great. Doing things like that and just like thinking out of the box a little bit in terms of just what do the hours in the day look like and whatnot anyway i'm getting too far from the point yes rj artwork has been great yeah i've made these two pieces one i call the hot air alien because it's an alien in a hot air balloon oh yeah baby and then the sea boog seahorse it's a boognish which is uh the emblem for the band ween anyway i've sold i've sold a lot of those and i just debuted those guys and people have been buying like my archival prints too and whatnot I, i've set up a web store i never had a web store i've sold out of t-shirts like multiple times and now i'm working on more merch and whatnot so yeah no all of the kind of creative visual stuff for sure. It's a good time for it, theoretically, because yeah. it doesn't involve uh, putting 500 sweaty strangers. Uh, <laughs> talk, talk to me a little bit. I'm not very well versed with the transitional dynamics of the music scene, but I have seen people are like streaming concerts on like Twitch, Twitch and stuff like that. Is that kind of like the direction of the industry now that we can uh, all get together, sing Kumbaya? I'll tell you, Alec, it looks uh, it looked is going to be a lot of that and there has been a lot of that and of course i i am a purist and i really i don't think it replaces the real thing of course and i think once the quote-unquote real thing can come back i i don't think i don't know how to say this but i don't think it's a forever type situation where people like you know what i'm gonna stay home and actually uh if they can be there i believe that people crave to be there. And it's a shared experience. It's a whole thing. It's different. And I feel as much as I've totally enjoyed streaming concerts on Twitch during this bizarre time where you literally can't go and see a show or whatnot. And it's been a good, it's going to, it's been a good thing to hold me off as a ravenous concert goer, as well as a concert provider, if you will. But it's, I don't think it'll be forever. I think we're all oversaturated by it in a big way. I feel like everybody's doing it, which is totally cool. We got to do something, right? Like I'm not putting anybody on blast for doing it. In fact, I should be doing way more of it. But yeah, no, it's, I, I think it's 
it, it certainly will change things in certain ways. I feel like if there are live shows in the future, maybe there will just be like people will already be so set up for the Twitch component of it that like it'll also be streamed. And then what will that mean? I don't know. I don't know. But I definitely think there is no replacement for a shared concert experience or a shared human experience. I'll call it opera, theater, rock and roll, whatever it is, but putting people together in a room, lights go down, curtains come up, that's irreplaceable in my Yeah, eyes. you guys want to hear something crazy? I've never yeah. been to a concert ever. What? No, yeah, I kid you Karina, not. I, how many how many fish shows have you been to? A hundred and eight or nine. And that's just one band, Alec. Yeah. Bro, how'd you get this gig, dude? How'd you get this gig? Bro, RJ found me off the street. What do you Yo. mean? Yeah, uh, he was outside of a, 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 a major bank on the street, the Wall Streets. <laughs> and, uh, he was sparing for change. And, and you're like, you're my guy. You're my guy. I said, no, I, I, I don't have, I don't have, and shout outs to my man, Isaac Sloan, our collective man, Isaac Sloan. I was shout like, out. I don't have Isaac Sloan anymore. I got to have Alec Robis, the next best option. That's beautiful. Isaac certainly puts you to shame in terms of your show stats, but I'm sure you have lots of nice qualities, Alec. I'm sure you have lots of nice qualities. <laughs> and we're going to take you to some shows. RJ's going yeah. to be at a show with. Come on. This is, yeah. uh, you've stepped I, into gold here. This is great. Good yeah, guy. You know, if, if I remember correctly, that, that I'm with RJ uh, live event, RJ, didn't you say uh, open bar and, and suites for me and Corinna at the Ritz? Yeah, whatever you guys need. You guys are my people. So Yeah, I'll put it on the I'm with RJ card. Yeah, course. it's fine. It's fine. So to Karina's point, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Karina. I think live shows come back 10 times harder than they ever have. I just want to go get a place in New Orleans for the sake of watching that city come back and like seeing what can come out of again. And the Phoenix rising from the ashes is so fucking cheesy, but it is true. And, and I think in this case, as you pointed out, like, there has been such a pivot by a lot of artists to do other things or work in other mediums or play with other bands or stream or whatever it is that those things will definitely be carried through into the next phase of things. And it's almost like the complacency that the scene had started to take on over the last like 12 months of it, it it's died and now it's been reborn. So like the Renaissance vibe of what live music is going to look like as it moves forward. I think it's, I think it's going to be a really cool thing. And, you're 100% right. The streaming element of it is going to be there. And so what does that mean for bands? Do you guys, when shows that you've done where you have a live show and it's streamed as well, do you get paid off the stream additionally? Or is that something that the promoters kind of taken in the past? How has that worked out? Yeah, no, there's definitely, there should be a split there for sure. And especially going forward, if, if everybody's optimized their ability to stream, meaning venues, individuals, whatever it is, that should be taken into consideration, I would say for sure, seeing as that's a whole other revenue stream for people. And look, if people want to do that, I think it's amazing. And I think it's cool. And you see it a lot in the jam world, bands that are able to monetize on a million different levels it's okay we have the, the show then you buy the the couch tour ticket whatever meaning meaning the stream and then this merch item that you can only get if you blah 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 i don't know it's a it's an interesting thing in that world specifically of course it happens across genres as well but i yeah no you should definitely be getting a split if they're streaming and charging for admission if you will virtually as well as in real life as an artist no question yeah absolutely and we're all about people getting their money on this show that's for sure yeah alec came out of a bank man that's where you were born you were just like you like i mean i'm still waiting for the check in the mail rj 
Dude, the truth comes out. I, I will happily write you a check for 47 cents and mail it anywhere in the world. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh. Hey, you gotta, you gotta know your value, Karina. You know? yeah, How generous. That's nothing to shake a stick at these days, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's serious money. And I just got my stimulus check, so I'm I'm balling. I don't know about you guys, but... Oh, I'm balling, dude. Uh, yeah. That's sort of an, another question that sort of pivots off this as well. You were involved in, in the Rocks Off concert series or that production company. For the people that don't know, maybe you could give us some, some just basics about Rocks Off and what's happened with COVID there. Is it still going on? Are we still going to be able to ride the boats and all that stuff? So totally. Great question. I, I worked for the New York City concert promotion company called Rocks Off from... 2012 through right when the pandemic started, essentially. And it is an amazing company run by a gentleman named Jake Sufnerowski, who is an amazing man, who had this idea back in the early 2000s to put bands on boats and take them out for three hour long concert booze cruises and then return the passengers back to dry land in, in multiple pieces, but they love it. They love it. <laughs> and awesome company that did incredible. I saw some insane stuff there, no question, and was the general manager and did a bunch of talent buying. I basically like I learned how to cut my own deals from doing all that stuff. And I couldn't be more grateful to have been a part of the organization. But no, RJ, it. It certainly came crashing down in a huge way once the pandemic started, because of course, it's a, talent buyers who put shows in real clubs don't know, at least here in New York City and Miami, you could go to a club right now, but whatever. Let's just focus on here. People don't know when they can open their doors again, let alone at what capacity, and that's not financially viable. And of course, a boat and let me just say, these boats are like enclosed. It's like being in a, a hardcore show in a basement sometimes. You know what I mean? There's no, the ventilation is terrible. It's like a real rock and roll experience. It really is. It's like being on a, it's like being on a Mississippi paddle boat, like a gambler boat. There's that uh, Neil Young song that it reminds me of, a couple of them, but it's a scene. It's a scene. It's a thing, right? Yeah. And of course, I, it probably is the least COVID-friendly place for a concert I could even think of. Just because it's so, it's not, it just isn't set up for it. Anyway, long story short, no, Jake, who is the founder of the company, and it's his livelihood, his whole thing, he got rid of his New York apartment and went and is just living in a cabin in Idaho. And he's been there since, I don't know, May of last year. So it's a tumultuous time for all all certainly but in the concert business and especially if you're a promoter an agent like it's not i think it gets overlooked sometimes if you don't know the ins and outs and you know exactly how fucked it is for what it's worth restaurants have been able to open up a little bit though with a ton of parameters and ramifications and safety protocols and whatnot up here you have if you have a venue you haven't been able to open your door one bit you know what I'm saying? So it's not even, like, oh, yeah, we're doing some outdoor seating and barely scraping by. It's, there is no barely scraping by. There's nothing. It's on or off. You know what I'm saying? And it's been off is all I'm trying to say. Just the reality of that situation is a dark one. Um, right. and, and we're not sure when when shows in general and, and more largely boat shows as well will be able to return and kind of waiting with bated breath in that regard. Yeah. All of us are. All of us are. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy because the consumer, i.e. The, the music listener, concert goer, what have you, like 
is just so unaware of, I think at the end of the day, the other side. And that's a very gross generalization. I know there's a lot of people who are very aware of how affected people like yourself are and, and people like Jake, obviously, and the hospitality industry. And the list goes on here of, of people that are losing businesses and don't have any money basically because, because of the situation. But it is such a like, when are we going to go back to concerts rather than a, are there going to be places open to even have concerts because they're all fucking out of business as a result of this shit? Absolutely. If you've been doing this your entire life, and this is your livelihood, this is what you do, this is what you live for, this is just, these are the skills you have, these are the skills, this is what you have done. It's not so easy to pivot. You know what I mean? Like, what, am I going to become a, I don't know. I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And if you're just like a concert promoter, it's not the easiest thing to just be like, okay, uh, what do I do next? Uh, Even though I'm 47 and this is all I've ever done, collect unemployment until you can keep doing what you've done in the past. It's just a hard, it's a hard thing to figure out. You could start an OnlyFans. Alec, what's the website address of yours again? The OnlyFans? Yo, why do you got to? Blow me up like that. Like we're recording right now. I, I, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I, I subscribed yesterday, bro. Come on. Yeah, bro. no, for real though. Promo Alec twenty, get twenty percent off, only ninety nine a month, and uh, I slide in my DMs. I'll hit it to you. It makes a lot just of kidding. sense. It's a great just hustle. The great, great hustle. Thorn million bucks single oh, day. Yeah. She got a lot of heat for that, and and rightfully she she fucked up the whole platform for all the people out here hustling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I still don't understand that, but fuck her. So <laughs> Good for her. She's grinding, though. I don't know, though. She fucked up the hustle for everybody else. Like, that's usually not the kind of hustlers you want to fuck with, Alec. Yeah, Alec. Nah, but you got to applaud it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I do know. <laughs> not cool, man. On that note there, Karina, like, you mentioned something. You mentioned there, this is what you've been doing for your whole life. So, like, when did you first start professionally playing out? What's the journey been like for you from that point, like, up until now? Obviously, like, we've covered the COVID bullshit. So, let's get back to the good times a little bit here. Like, what was the run-up to the, to to COVID and becoming a professional musician at a young age and, and all that kind of jazz? Oh, baby, the good times. The Let good times, baby. Let them roll. Let them roll. I... I started playing music in like eighth grade in a real way where I like got an electric guitar. Next thing I knew I was in a punk band and then all throughout high school, like all I wanted to do was play and just, I was in a bunch of different bands and different like school of rock offshoot situations and what have you played in the jazz band at school and whatnot. And then I went to NYU for at the school of individualized study, which is called Gallatin. And I made my own major, which is what you're supposed to do there, called Invention and Distribution in Contemporary Music. So Invention is like the intangible, like the creative side and the distribution, like the business side. Because as soon as like I worked for Rocks Off starting the summer before my freshman year of NYU, was basically booking bands and helping on the promoter side and then also playing in a million bands at the time and whatnot. And I just assumed basically, I just because I loved playing, but like I didn't have a clear path going forward. I, I was kind of in four or five bands going nowhere at certain points and just local bands. And I loved to play. It was awesome. And that's where I cut my chops and got good and all of that. I wouldn't have traded it for the world, but it definitely didn't look like, oh yeah, this is, you know, I felt like more like, oh, I'll probably end up a hobbyist and I'll be a person who works in the music business. Like it's just seemed like the more clear cut path to me. And then next thing you know, I'm about to graduate from NYU. The last semester of my senior year, that's when I get the call for the Marco gig. 
And that just completely flipped everything on its head because that was, you know, playing with Marco was like a dream. He was somebody I've admired and listened to for years, you know, easily a decade up until that point, you know, well, that's not true just because I was probably 12. I bet you I found out about Marco when I was like 14. Big difference. Big difference. Big difference is all I'm trying to say. But I, you know, and then that was just kind of, whoa, okay. And then of course that started as a slow burn. I was a fill-in when Dave couldn't do the gigs and then I just completely took over. And then next thing I know, four years later, here we are. And like I said, we've toured the country extensively, we've done festivals in Japan, opened for Wolfpack in London, opened for huge bands, played a million festivals, done whatever. And I feel like that kind of gave me, I don't want to say street cred, because that sounds weird, but that's when people started taking notice of me as my own, yo, this girl Karina plays bass for Marco, she's rad, like whatever. And then that kind of gave me a confidence boost to write music and record music under my own name, which I regret not doing sooner. I just didn't feel like I had the confidence really to like actually be that guy and do that thing. You know what I mean? I was in a million bands, but I was never the principal songwriter at all. And I don't know, it just didn't feel like my role. I felt like a side man. I felt like a person who added a lot musically and vibe wise, but not necessarily coming up with my own tunes per se anyway and then here we are now and i'm just putting out music writing music i don't foresee a record anytime soon just because as we are saying feels like a weird time to put out a record considering i can't tour behind it right now so feeling singles ep per se bunch of content surrounding it yeah all of that soundcloud mixtape check (laughs) i'll dye my hair that's all it's great so i do doing the marco thing and i just got these agents for my own band which is awesome and up until then i had booked every show myself which is cool and in the time that i have been recording and releasing my own music and the calendar year where that all happened my band opened for krongbin at the capitol theater Open for Guster at Higher Ground, played Huluween, which is a huge festival down in Florida, played Mowdown, headlined uh, Rough Trade in the spring, and then moved up to Brooklyn Bowl in the fall, just doing my thing. And it's it's been an amazing thing to see people into it and support the whole thing. And I just want to keep doing more and more of it and see where it goes. So that's the vibe. I, I very much respect all of that, especially like seeing you progress into making your own music. I felt like I met you and you were like, like the Marco thing was like in the, in the pinnacle of it. Like you were like, I think a couple years into it or whatever. And like seeing you progress into making your own music and the plants track still bangs, obviously. I, I think everything you've done is had, it's had your vibe on it, but it's, it's also been like commercially viable within the scene. If that makes sense. You're not like totally just freaking out on on random shit like it fits with what's going on so it's cool to see it's, it's cool to see that progression i saw the same sort of thing in in dan levowitz lebo Fayello with the slide guitar like in him and i think he was playing lap steel or, or, or one of those one of the sort of iterations of a slide but like seeing him progress in that and like becoming like an expert at it quote unquote and being able to just watch that progression is so cool as a fan to watch musicians be able to take on the next step of their career. It's an awesome experience for us. That's so awesome. Yeah. Go Lebo. That's what we yeah. yeah. Uh, well, both you guys, obviously. Oh man. Yeah. No, I don't know. I just felt, and I, now looking back, I'm like, man, when I was 18 and playing with all these different bands and whatnot, if I had just, I, I think it comes down, confidence is the fucking greatest drug in the world. It's just, if you have the, 
I really didn't like feel really like I could stand behind my own musical ideas, if that makes sense. I don't know why. Because a musical idea is just a fucking musical idea, man. <laughs> like, it's not, I don't know. I felt like there was like this huge mystery to all of that and a secret that I didn't have and like a sauce I didn't have. And now I'm just like, mm. you just got to fucking put one foot in front of the other and like just take the steps to making shit. And it's awesome. Like you mentioned, Plants, my first single, I released that in June 2019. That I was 25, <laughs> which feels like, not that it feels late, but I'm like, obviously better late than never. But now I'm just like really uh, tunnel vision, just writing, recording, writing, recording, and seeing what makes sense together in terms of song pairings and whatnot. And what do I like? What do I sound like? What the fuck? I'm just so eclectic. It's crazy. And it's fun. <laughs> So yeah, that's been the vibe, dude. It's, been it's really interesting because like we, I was, Alec and I have, have like really talked about this a lot in the entrepreneurial context of having a blank canvas or a white piece of paper or whatever, like the, the blinking line is the scariest thing. What do you put here? How do you begin to fill um, something from nothing? And if, if you have the slab of marble and you have to carve away from it. And, and so even if you're like, what you start with is garbage, you can bring that the, the thing that can be pulled out of it down into whittle it down into something that's beautiful. And the, the beauty of it is like, you're not, you're actually working in marble. You just delete the shit and record something else and go on with your day. So kind of to make a meta point there, like to entrepreneurs listening to this, don't be afraid to get started. That's, that's like where it all is. It's going to be challenging to, to start, but starting somewhere and then refining it is like what you have to do. And it sounds like that's what you're going through, Karina, as things have rolled out over the last year and a half with your own music. It's so true. It's so true. And my, my parents are both professors, but my dad was a philosopher and he writes books and whatnot. And he has, I don't want to call it a motto because that sounds so corny. He's always, eh, nothing a couple rewrites can't fix. You know what I mean? And that just, right. it rings so true. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like staring at the blank page, staring at the blank digital audio workstation or whatever. It's like, oh shit. And then you can get so metaphysically tied up into what it all means and who are you and what are you leaving behind and the legacy and all kinds of weird shit like that where it's just shut the fuck up just do it just start absolutely, absolutely. So, so the vibe just start i have a couple of them ready just start finish is a big one because <laughs> that's the other thing like things can also you can be such a perfectionist that things are never done and that's not fun either you know what i mean like you got to finish you know <laughs> and it's hard to hold yourself to that type of shit too that's a good one how do you take a bite no how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time it's a good one good one uh, yeah these are just my little tropes that i like to dance around in my head they're all great alec do you have any elephant eating sort of mantras honestly that's like the one area in my life that i lack i tell you all the time rj i'm like bro these things that just come out of your mouth at the most random times i'm like god i wish i just had that creative ability in my brain just to pull something out of thin air for any sort of conversation I have but nah, nothing I could think of honestly kind of lame haven't been to a concert I'm worth 43 cents it just all right well we're gonna, see you guys we're, later. we're gonna have to take you to a foreign country where heavy drugs are legal and and, and dose you with a lot of acid and just come up with your mantra and maybe see a show or something we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to turn you on I think that's all that's gonna have to happen here I got one for you, Alec. I got one for you. I just thought of it. Ready? Ready? Ain't nothing to it, but to do it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you love it. You love it. We'll get right. it tight. I, I can rock it. 
stick in that foreign country. We're going to get like a stick and poke needle tattoo yeah. for you of yeah. that. And you're just going to be like, totally. It's fucking true, man. Just gotta- yeah. yeah. You get it on your wrist, had to roll it over it. You'll be fine. You'll, be, you'll fit right in with the rest of the bankers. They'll never know. It'll be good. It'll be oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, one question I want to ask is... And again, I fucking hate that COVID's going on, but we asked Alan Paul about his craziest story involving weed that he felt comfortable telling. So any crazy cannabis related stories? And like, obviously I know you don't smoke that much or at all, but Marco is definitely a smoker. And I'm sure several other folks and friends that you've been around with on tour or whatever do as well. So any crazy stories that you feel like sharing with us about the the plant? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you, the first thing that comes to mind is actually not Marco related, even though he is definitely a strong weed smoker for sure. But there's a gentleman who his name is DJ Jaw Culture. Oh yeah, baby. And he is a reggae DJ around the city. And he would DJ when I was working for Rocks Up, all of our 420 cruises. He is an amazing man. Shout out to DJ Jack Culture. He's incredible. But he would get he would get pretty crazy and then catatonic on on this herb. And he's notorious for talking more than playing music during his DJ sets, even though he would like spin at set break on our 420 reggae cruise every year. So I've seen this guy do, I don't even know how many fucking milligrams of, is it in, is it in milligrams that they measure edible? Well, he might have been eating it in pure grams, but yeah, it's usually milligrams. It's you, okay. I'm thinking whatever it was, like it's, you know, one of those things where it's like a hundred or like some crazy ass number. It, I don't it, know. Was, it was medical. Yeah. It was extremely medical or whatever. And I just remember one, every year this event would come around, the Reggae 420 Cruise featuring the Cannabis Cup Reggae All-Star Band. And this guy, DJ Jacques Culture, would, who would just spin reggae, scream into the mic and blow his whistle. He would like carry like a gym teacher whistle <laughs> on him and he would just be whistling into the mic, pausing the music. New York City, greatest city in the world. Shout out to all the barbacks. Shout out to the promoter. Shout out to the five boroughs. And then he would just shout out. Next thing you know, he would have shouted out every continent, every like city in the world. <laughs> and it was just absolutely insane. But there was one time after a particularly raucous 420 cruise we shut off his mic because it was the end of the night but he was still just screaming at the top of his lungs and then i don't know i think the edible hit differently fellas i don't know what exactly happened but he was supposed to help like the band load out for some reason and he was untwisting the cymbal stands if that makes sense a little part on top and then he would just stop right and stare into space and then he would forget what he was doing for, honestly, a minute. And then he would just regain consciousness and say, my wife has vagine like <laughs> sleep of wizard. Ah! And then he'd fucking literally cackle himself like he'd fall over and then roll around on the floor laughing. And then we'd be like, all right, Jack Culture, pick up the pace here, buddy. We got to go. This is the loadout, dude. You said you'd help with this. It's part of your fee." <laughs> And then he'd be like, oh, my bad, my bad. And then the whole thing would start up again, where he would just literally say it again. He would be like, my wife. And then he would just do the Borat routine, roll around on the floor. And then I do remember leaving him right there on 23rd and the FDR Drive and 
just hoping he made it home all right. That was that's probably when I think of weed, I think of these 420 cruises, I think of the Cannabis Cup Reggae All-Star Band, and I think of our hero. DJ Jock Culture really bless his heart. I clap it up for him. He really he's an amazing man. He knows how to take he knows how to take hits, man. But that was I think I saw him eat like, you know, like that teardrop medical grade shit. It's yeah. like a gummy, but it's enormous. I don't know what's in that, but he ate the whole thing. Yeah. It hit different. So yeah. that's yeah. my story. Wow. Jaw culture, Alec. When you uh, you come back, we'll have to we'll have to rent it. DJ Jaw culture for your birthday or something. Sounds like a great great time. He's unbelievable. Maybe twenty two is right around the corner, so we'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I was about 22 when this went down. Some of the shit that you can't make up. I have a video of him like DJing and he stops the music because of course you can only play seven seconds of music for every 20 seconds of stage banter. It's been a little bit. And then he go, yo, who didn't have no breakfast today? Who didn't have no breakfast today? New York. Yo, in this city, you know, we need it. And then <laughs> keep playing music. That's just an example. It's just unbelievable stuff. He's a legend. Wow. He's a crazy man. And he's also, he's very guilty of being like, and he'd laugh. He'd laugh. He loves me. We're, yo, Jack Culture, if you're listening, which I, I'll send you the link. You're an amazing man, but you would always be like, yo, Karina, I'm playing a gig tomorrow night. It starts at 3 a.m. You have to take the train out to Coney Island and you got to swim for 200 feet. I'm going to be on a floating dock. It's totally chill. It's you, me, the turtles. Whoever else is going to show up is going to be blaze off. That was his vibe. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, he was always like directing you to like the craziest place on earth at the worst hour of the day in the worst location. And I was like, yo, man, I'll be there. <laughs> Guy sounds like an electric factory. He's unbelievable. Oh, my God. You've never been to a concert. I don't know if we can let you in Jack Culture's presence. Just I mean, might yeah, be- yeah. You might not be the same again. You know? Yeah. It might be too much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we don't want to. We don't want you to burn out before you make liquid gold from Lehman Brothers or whatever. So, exactly, that's the vibe. We need to keep you fucking. Maybe we should keep you straight and narrow, dude. I don't know. I think yeah. our, your whole thought about dosing him and my thought about tattooing him and whatnot. Like, I think maybe we should be protecting you. Out. Yeah, maybe we need you as like the white collar plug. You know. Yeah. That could be there. You're important, man. We got to keep you straight, dude. Don't yeah. touch anything weird. Don't do. Yeah. Don't even drink. No more drinking. That's no. All. Thank God you guys aren't my parents and CPS is not listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, buddy. Oh, Just say I love this guy. <laughs> Alec, come on. We love it. We love it, dude. This is great. No, we got to keep you just the way you are. You're yeah. Wow. Bless your heart. And then one day I'll deliver you DJ Jack Culture and like a birthday cake where he'll, he'll pop out and go, happy birthday, Mr. President. And it's just you. Sick. <laughs> I would die. Oh I, I, would, I would buy the live stream. Yeah, live right? Stream. Oh, I would pay top dollar for that live stream. Shit. I would liquidate everything. Oh, Should my God. OnlyFans? I mean, yeah. Put it on OnlyFans. I'm actually selling Bitcoin right now to fund this. So, like, I'm down. I'm totally Sick, down. Dude. I think this is great. <laughs> uh, all right karina before we get out of here shout out to social medias where can people find you where can people buy shit from you or pay you to hang out with them via live stream or whatever the hell else it is that you're hustling these days uh give us all that all that good stuff oh baby oh baby karina reichman on instagram that's a good one that features if you go you know to my bio there's uh what they call a link tree 
And that just has the master links to everything. And my merch store and the Spotify links and whatnot, you can go to KarinaReichman.com. That normally would feature some tour dates, but that's not it's not what it is these days. But you can uh, you can read up on all the shit that I used to do. That was fun. My merch store is Karina-Reichman.myshopify.com. But again, that's hyperlinked in the Instagram and whatnot, and on my website and all that stuff. At Karina Reichman on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Karina Reichman. It's all just Karina Reichman. And I I'm ready for anything, man. Just you know, people, uh, you wanna you wanna set up a Zoom over here? Just DM me. We could talk about it. What's it worth to you? I don't know. Let's. <laughs> I'm being crazy, but it's all it's all true. Yeah, hey, that's kind of you got to make revenue, baby. That's all it's about. What, what hey, are you Whatever. It's crazy time <laughs> to be alive. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Miss Karina Reichman. Well, thank you so much for joining the I'm with RJ podcast and uh, great episode. I think you crushed it. I think maybe the best one of all time. And as the person that came up with the name I'm with RJ, I think it should be bestowed upon you as the title of best podcast guest ever. So we thank oh. you. I will clap it up for that. You guys have been a super delight. It's just been, uh, it's been unreal, really. I can't believe it's over. Awesome. What are we going to do now? What are we going to do? I don't know. It's all downhill from here. But. Oh, terrible, terrible. It has been a pleasure to connect with you again, RJ and Alec. You too. This is great. I, I look forward to Yeah, man. I look forward to when we can all get together in person and do wholesome shit. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, Karina. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was something, wasn't it, Alec? Dude, I need that energy in my life like all the time. That's I'm telling you. I'm telling you, a star was born. A star was born. Yeah, it keeps me on edge. You meet her. Let the listeners know. Just through, through through Marco, I we had a mutual friend between Marco and I, and they came to San Francisco, and I brought them back at that time. I was running a company called Box of Jane. And I brought Marco a bunch of a fucking weed and I brought him, I think a 21 or 28 gram joint that I had used raw, a large raw cone stuff. So shout outs to raw papers for making some, what I call clown cones. Uh, and I'm right. definitely clown for exactly. smoking them and rolling them, but uh, that's the size of a small TV. Yeah. It's the size of an ounce of weed, probably more than most people can afford to buy at one time, but you roll it up for the homies and take care of people that deserve to be taken care of. And you find great people like Karina Reichman out of it. Music and cannabis really is the great connectors. So there you go. Wow. I'm still waiting for my 28 inch joint in the mouth. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I don't know about 28 inches in your mouth, but that's on you. Shout out her, her podcast. No free ad reads on this uh, show, but three from seven, go check it out. If you enjoyed that interview as much as RJ and I did, definitely go give that a listen and uh, get some more of that uh, fiery Corinna. That's on relics.com. I believe it's R E L I X.com. I could be wrong, but, but it's definitely a relics presentation. So. Yeah. She mentioned outdoor dining. Let's just touch on that just because I'm curious. Your dad's a, you know, blue collar type of guy. Yeah. So all these restaurants, in, at least in New York City, that are throwing up gazebos and essentially making outdoor dining, indoor dining, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of uh, limiting the spread of COVID? And I understand the whole thing for help small businesses like corporations are profiting, etc. But isn't that kind of counterintuitive to not letting people sit inside 
like at that point, wouldn't you just say, all right, open your doors, just limit the number of people you have? I don't know what the fuck that has to do with my dad, but like you come from a hardworking family, like you can relate to small business owners like that. Oh, like, sure, sure. You mean having to survive a crisis by being uh, yeah, yeah, an, yeah, an entrepreneur and inventive. Fair enough. I thought you meant that that somehow my dad being a hard worker had something to do with his uh, opinion on the health and safety of people related to COVID. But I'll leave that to Dr. Ferrucci over there. I'm not going to you know, put that on my old man. But having said that, I think it speaks volumes to what it takes to survive. And again, in, in the capitalistic society that uh, Donald Trump loves so much, I, I think that you got to respect the hustle. As we were talking about with Karina, like you, you, can't be, you can't be mad at somebody for playing a game or being part of a game. You got to hustle to survive regardless if you're a person or you're a business. So I think it's respectful as fuck. Is it smart? I don't really know. I've definitely been able to reach over and touch somebody at, at a restaurant I've been to. And like, I get it doesn't float past six feet, but I don't know about that anyways. I, I think it's pretty sketchy, generally speaking. I, I try not to go out when I don't have to. Again, I think you got to respect the hustle. Yeah, for sure. I was just curious just to see what your take was, just because I was like, man, that's a big barstool kind of intersection right there that's been going around in the, the media but anyway man so you hit the old google machine and rj's fuck i don't know what i'm smoking on or hey karina just said something just talked about a strain i've never fucking heard of where do you go first place five four three two go i'll shout out weed maps i'm not gonna usually shout out weed maps but i'll shout out weed maps it's a fucking classic piece of machinery that's been updated recently and they're going public so that plays into plays well into your world alec i I think they have an opportunity to be really big but i think the problem is that they've eroded the trust with the business community as a consumer i think there's a, a lot of helpful stuff that's been added to weed maps before it was just like go and find the ship but now they've They've really taken on, you know, more of a Leafly approach. I mean, obviously, shout outs to Leafly. There's definitely some good information on there as well. But I do I do weed maps from just a classic perspective of being a place that years ago I, I had my business listed on. So I got to give shout outs to the old school, even if they're not top dogs anymore. Fucking rights, fucking rights. You always got to appreciate the old dogs who paved the way for the young bucks. All right. So strain of the week, you're telling me you were found some good new stuff out there and uh, i said save it for the episode so why don't you why don't you share with us right now i got some new shit the old menthol strain which is it's not old by any means but i guess it's sort of a, a hype right now it's a strain from compound genetics it's got some gelato in it and it's got some i think it's got some white diesel and maybe jet fuel and some other sort of exotic strains that make it up and it's definitely the dankity dank that is for sure it has the name implies a menthol vibe or soury peppermint thing going on and i think i took about three hits of it the other night and was incapacitated drooling on the floor type high so yeah menthol check it out yeah, we love that. There you have it. <laughs> but uh, folks, I, I think that just about all for this week's episode. We're, we're out of time here. But uh, RJ, yeah. always a pleasure, my dude. And I am excited so for this uh, next interview we got lined up for next week's uh, pod. Yeah, we always have somebody good coming on, regardless of how bad of a job we do. So that's always good. No one's fault except ours. So yeah, no <laughs> one's fault. Yeah. See you later, folks. And uh, RJ, my dude, have a good one. Oh, yeah. And peace. Hey, while you're at it, www.imwithrj.com. Last but not least, point here I'll make before we jump off. 
that site, new sites dropping. So keep an eye out for that. Not a big deal in Q1 2021. You heard of it? You will if you haven't. There you go. I'm with RJ.com. Check it out. We'll talk to you guys soon.